This is Tom Fox, and I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series on compliance professionals adapting to change, industries, regulations, and beyond, where we will look down the road at key issues in 2024 and beyond for the compliance professional. In this series, I will visit with Nicholas Latham, Renee Murphy, Jessica Chachuga, Lee Chow, and Alexander Kosha. Over this series, we will consider compliant communications in regulated industries, managing conflicts of interest at the board level, the board of directors role in compliance training and communications, navigating the current ESG landscape, and professional growth and mentorship in compliance. This series is informative, enjoyable, and I know you'll get a lot out of it. First, a word about diligence. Diligence empowers leaders with a holistic view of their organization's governance, risk, compliance, audit, and ESG practices so they can make better decisions faster, no matter the challenge. Ready for purpose-driven compliance? Diligence equips leaders with the tools they need to build, monitor, and maintain a culture of open, transparent ethics and compliance. For more information or to book a demo, visit Diligent.com. In this part one, I visit with Nicholas Latham on issues relating to compliant communications. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and welcome to our first episode of our five-part series today. I'm absolutely thrilled to have with me Nicholas Latham. Nicholas, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you very much for having me. Nicholas, could you tell us a little bit about your professional background and your current role? Absolutely. So my professional background started right out of college. I had roughly four and a half to five years in governmental accounting where I, I say where I fell in love with the risk and control environment and really the, the process of getting in there and getting your hands dirty, walking through, documenting everything. And after a period of time there, as, I, as my aspirations grew, I wanted to look for that somewhere else. So evaluated the financial industry and was lucky enough to be able to accept a position with U.S. Bank in their collections department starting out looking at processes they had implemented there. And that eventually led to an opportunity where I was able to get in on a team with a broader vision of looking at risks and controls across payments, which later then evolved looking across not just retail payments, but corporate payment solutions and payment processing, which is Elevon for them. And I was there for almost 10 years and then was also fortunate enough to find myself looking for an opportunity in the risk and control environment. Again, changing it up a little bit, but accepted a position with Diligent Corporation, which is where I am currently employed. And I am acting as a client partner, which is one position that we say is a differentiator with, uh, our, within our organization that many of our competitors don't offer more or less a uh, liaison and personal consultant for many of our large clients or strategic clients. And we advise them on uh, strategic direction 
and the best ways to meet and achieve their objectives. So Nicholas, I'm first of all, I'm a complete geek. So if I can talk about control environments, I can talk about risk tolerances and risk management and the COSO framework, we may never leave. And <laughs> one of the reasons I was really excited to visit with you on this episode is your specific expertise in working with the COSO framework. Yeah. And I rarely get to talk to people about the use of the COSO framework as just that, a framework. So I was mm -hmm. wondering if you could say a few words about what the COSO framework is, and then maybe we can explore how that might be a guide for us in communications compliance. Yeah, the framework, there's a few known frameworks out there. I'd say COSO is probably the most widely used. It's been around likely the longest. I believe it has. The other would be the ISO 31000. You'll see a lot of organizations that are mature in their risk and control journey will have one or the other, or sometimes a combination of both implemented. But with the COSO framework, really you're looking at everything from more of an enterprise risk management perspective. So the, the big picture where you're really looking at your control environment and figuring out what the tone is there, what's the appetite for risk, then really looking at your risk assessment processes and being able to identify and assess those risks, especially ones that are crucial to the business succeeding. And then really building the information and communication process around that. Usually you'll see that in the way of training, some seminars, depending on the size of the organization. And then really just the monitoring activities to oversee all of these things to ensure that they are being executed as intended on a regular or recurring basis. How can we use the framework or maybe think about using the framework for literally 2023 compliance communication issues? Yeah, so I gave this some thought. The e-communications issue seems to be something that is definitely not going away. As a matter of fact, I think it's increased significantly over the past couple of years. I remember reading a stat just recently, something like two and a half billion dollars so far, especially just in the financial sector so far this year for non-compliance. But really, it, it has to start, as I said, with COSO, the control environment. The tone at the top has to be from leadership, executive leadership, uh, on emphasizing the importance of compliance in this regard. Now, it's one thing to do training, but usually what you'll see is people won't take it seriously. So that'll result in events of noncompliance. I'm sure you, like many others, myself included, even when I was at the bank, the training becomes a, a regular thing that you do. It's just, okay, I've got my annual training to do, blah, 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 go through it, go through the motions. But you don't really let it sink in on what it is. It's just passing a test. But the tone at the top needs to set that importance and say how critical it is, how important it is for the organization and its customers. And then from the risk assessment perspective, we would then go in and maybe do something like looking at current practices and where maybe they're falling short for these organizations that are being cited. Is it a personnel issue? Is it a training issue? Is it truly that there's not enough controls in place to mitigate the risk that they've assumed perhaps through 
a new process or one thing nowadays is the use of social media. So putting information out there that shouldn't be shared out in the social ether, as I would say, and ensuring that your employee base understands that what's acceptable, what is not acceptable. Um, training, you can never hit it hard enough. It's always got to be there. But one thing that, that should be evident is that the amount of training in today's environment isn't sufficient. It needs to be stepped up. It needs to be more. It needs to be more often. And one thing other than death and taxes that is a certainty is that regulatory scrutiny is only going to get more stringent. So it's something that organizations really need to be mindful of going forward and look for ways that they may be able to streamline that or gain some efficiencies in doing it. Um, but yeah, those are paramount when looking into that. The final being the regular monitoring. So it is hard with communications to do sufficient monitoring. So a lot of the, a lot of times it's uh, call recordings that are monitored and anybody that has done or been around this type of environment before myself included knows that there's thousands and thousands of calls that occur on a daily basis. There's just no way possible for any given number of people to review a sample that's sufficient. You may get five a day if you're lucky. And if you have a representative that's placing 20, 30 calls a day, you're only getting a small sample of what's going out. There's still a fair amount of risk that is left uncovered. Things we look to in, in our age today would be something where you would maybe, and I hate to say this because some people may disagree with me, but utilizing AI to go in and per, perhaps scrub these records and be able to look at a significantly larger sample or potentially hundred percent by looking for buzzwords or items of that value, and then pulling those out to be able to examine why those things are occurring to figure out whether it's improper process, improper training, improper scripts that are used in some instances, but really those things all coupled together are what, what are going to give you the foundation to build on, to be able to completely, I want to say build, but I would say account for the really, I don't want to say emergency either. So I guess, but yeah, I guess I would say it's of risk, this e-communications risk, just growing and, and coming into the limelight. Uh, I really like the way you laid that out because, and then your sort of concluding remarks about the emergence of e-communication risks. I think in addition to death taxes and increased regulatory scrutiny, the only other certainty is we will have new technological developments. We'll probably have some next week that you and I are related to chat GPT or AI, but we will certainly see developments that we haven't anticipated, nor do we have controls for today. And so one of the reasons uh, I was so intrigued to visit with you is to see if we could put out a framework that's flexible enough to meet new challenges. And not only is e-communications a challenge from the technological perspective, but it's a part of the business today. It's a part of everyday business. And so we've had a sort of a business shift as well. And I anticipate there'll be some other development that you and I will have to be figuring out. And so I wanted to maybe conclude with your thoughts on the framework you've laid out 
And I would only add perhaps continuous or ongoing improvement based upon your continuous monitoring to what you've laid out. Can we use that framework for a new technology, for a new business development? In your mind, is it flexible enough that if we sat down and figured out we could set up a control environment? I absolutely think so. As I alluded to uh, a little bit earlier in our conversation, these are both COSO and ISO 31000. They've been around. They're tried and true. They're meant to be adapted to the organization's needs. And that is the thing. It's really successfully implementing these for each organization. All organizations are different. They all assess and accommodate and mitigate risk in different ways. Some may decide that taking risk of communication or e-communications is higher. Sometimes it'll be lower depending on the organization. Personally, my background where I came from with U.S. Bank, there is a zero tolerance for any regulatory infractions or findings. So they were treated very seriously. I can't speak for the rest of the financial institutions out there, but I would say that's a fairly standard process. One thing I have seen um, and been a part of is in large organizations, sometimes different departments become siloed. So say sales doesn't know what maybe mortgage is doing or what credit's doing. And they all exist in their own world within the organization. And there's a, a lot of things out there. And I feel like when a framework is successfully implemented, it really flattens that out, the hierarchy, and opens that view to the entire organization. Because really executives and those in leadership need to be able to see everything that's going on all at one time and not just what's going on in each department or like a snippet from each department. And I will say that is one big thing that drew me to my current employer, Diligent, is really being able to offer, as we would call it, the single pane of glass look for, for GRC and how everything works together to provide that holistic view, that holistic picture. Nicholas, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode. But before we leave, I wanted to ask you if our listeners wanted any more information on the topics we've touched on in this podcast, where can they go? You can go to diligent.com. Well, Nicholas, I thank you for taking the time to visit with me, and I hope we can continue this conversation down the road. Thank you again for having me, and I look forward to further communications. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Professionals Adapting to Change, Industry, Regulations, and Beyond. I hope you'll join us again for our next episode where we take a look at conflicts of interest at the board of directors level with Renee Murphy. This special five-part series is sponsored by Diligent, and we've linked to Diligent's website in the show notes. So for more information, check out their website, www.diligent.com. This special five-part podcast series is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.